0: Well, hello, Millennium listeners. My name is Connor Toohey. I'm very happy to be doing another episode of Millennium Live here today. We've got a great episode for you and our HR assembly. Uh, we have a great sponsor here, Vizier, which is the uh, a leader in people analytics. And I'm very excited to talk people with uh, Paul
1: Rubenstein, he is the Chief
0: People Officer at
1: Vizier. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Connor. Welcome. And uh, we're not um, the a leader. We are the leader in people analytics. So <laughs> uh, and we've actually been fortunate um, to help invent the category and see this um, from its uh, humble beginnings. So it's been great not just to watch Vizier succeed, but people analytics as a whole, as well as the changing the way Everybody uses people data. So that's, that's been a real benefit.
0: Well, that's awesome. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. And as the leader in People Analytics, let's uh, jump in to People Analytics, shall we? So Sure. I know I, you have
1: some questions prepared, right? I do. I
0: do. So to kick things off, I want to ask you, what, you know, what will CEOs and leaders of organizations expect from their HR department and their HR leaders in the next two to three years?
1: You know, I, I, I think there's a, there's a big shift that's happened. CEOs have really held HR accountable for things that cross culture like engagement, as well as the traditional things like how are we managing risk? How are we managing books and records? Are we able to fill jobs on time? The blocking and tackling of HR. But more and more, they're looking for HR to show up and provide insights And not just like a couple of pretty graphs and charts that the C-suite level, because HR does a pretty good job of that, Mm. but really being able to, you know, unpack the data in ways that business people can consume um, who aren't specialists in HR. And really, they're looking for HR leaders to help elevate everyone's decisions that they make about people so that, you know, when there's hidden treasures, we find them. When there's waste, we understand it. And it really goes beyond engagement into productivity. So they're looking for HR leaders who really can link business strategy with talent decisions and help unpack those talent decisions from concepts into day-to-day choices that employees and people managers can make.
0: Your organization is the accumulation of, of your people. So how is the use of people data today changing the way executives
1: manage? So, so you said something really interesting there. You know, An organization is, the, um, uh, is just a collection of people. Mm-hmm. Well, I would argue also that strategy and the strategic outcomes, corporate performance, and the choices you have to make is not just the choice of the C-suite, uh, the choices the C-suite makes, but the sum of lots of choices that are far away from the C-suite. When we think about things like revenue, it isn't one person that makes or breaks the revenue number. It's lots of small decisions every day by everyone who's involved in the sales process. And I think what people data is changing, right? So it is changing um, the way we make and align those decisions. So we're able to take big strategies like diversity or hiring people with more agility or um, being able to... Um, think about productivity and putting real data, not secret HR data, but mashing together the things that HR has with the systems that uh, where work lives, everything from um, uh, ServiceNow or Jira, if you're in technology or any production system or Salesforce, you name it, with the data about talent, performance, engagement, uh, network analysis, things like that. Putting it together in ways that a people manager can make decisions, not based on inertia or, or, or urgency, but really takes a moment to make a decision that's connected to a bigger strategy because it's data informed. By the way, that leads to a more fair and just workplace and eliminates bias. So everybody wins. Mm.
0: You mentioned a couple of really important factors in there and you know one of them i think is that you know we how can we elevate our employees uh in a, in a way that helps them produce uh, better
1: results for, the, for companies so every what, yeah everybody wants to do better right employees want to do better right it's really you know it's the future is about using data in a way that helps mutual wins for employees and companies. It is win-win.
0: It is. Absolutely.
1: People, so- people data is the biggest cost, but it's also the biggest determiner of companies that will um, outperform their uh, competitors. The difference in making your plan or not and unlocking enterprise value really is about small choices made by individuals and unlocking individual value. Companies grow when people grow.
0: That's, that's a really strong message. So what should employees expect uh, from their organizations,
1: their employers in the future? Honesty, transparency. <laughs> but by the way, that's what you know, employers should expect from employees. like It's mutual. <laughs> We're entering an age where um, it's important to understand the whole human truth and look for employers who really understand their employees. Like, you know, Connor, I look at you, um, we live in a hybrid workforce, right? I may have some data about you that says when was the last time you're promoted or what your engagement score was, but I really have to start looking behind the screen, behind the zoom screen and understand what's going on at home. What are the other pressures around you? How do I really connect with you in a way that connects your work to the mission? because, you know, you have motivators that aren't just about a paycheck. Understanding you helps connect people with paycheck and purpose. And I believe that's what a lot of employees are looking for. And a lot of employers are looking for. When we can connect both on paycheck and purpose and truly be mission aligned with employee and employer, you know, that's commitment. And that's where you start to get engagement. What's it, remember, what is engagement? It's discretionary effort. It's going the extra mile. It's putting up with tough times so that you can see great times together. I think also when we think about empathy, people are looking for belonging. Like we all want, nobody wants to feel like they aren't part of the workforce. Belonging, inclusion, I mean, those are the underpinnings for diversity, right? When we draw threads, we get alignment, we get clarity, we get execution, and ultimately, companies uh, outperform their peers. Mm.
0: Well, of course, I mean that makes sense. I, as an employee, I want to—I don't want to just come to work. I want to make sure this is yeah. this is something that I express. You know, I express myself with, with what I do, and I put something good out into the world. And I think I really like this idea of a human truth. I really, I really like that, and so I'm starting to get this idea of what Vizier is all
1: about it's sort of revealing that, right? So, And and by the way, like HR has to change a little bit around that, right? HR has to change its view of what data they're bringing to the CEO, they're bringing to people managers and to employees, right? Org charts, that's cute. But network analysis, understanding who spends time with who and the strength of those connections, right? Starts to give you a real map of, who really connects the organization who really is the influencer who really has the power and the power dynamic and man this becomes really important as we start as we start to respond to change because it's a fast changing world because now we know who to go through because if you've ever you know tried to cascade a message through an org chart it's like a telephone game. CEO has a great idea. They tell a senior vice president, who tells a vice president, who tells a director, who tells the frontline manager. By the time he gets that frontline manager, they're like, eh, man, I just got to fill today's production quota. They don't care about that. Right? It's really important to understand where messages are amplified and where messages stop. And it's also important around knowledge and connections to your customers too. So being able to understand the strength of of connections, especially if you're gonna reduce your force. I mean, there are a lot of tough choices out there coming into a recessionary um, Mm -hmm. economy. And very often we, you know, Reduce headcount with the wrong people, or it's a blunt instrument, or we use traditional financial and traditional HR data to get rid of someone, rather than these things that give our deep, give us deeper insight about where knowledge and connection is held in the organization. That's the value, and that's understanding the real value. And by the way, employees connect to that value more than some of uh, more, more than some of the data we give them about themselves. <laughs>
0: I mean, so that, that people data, that's that's game changing
1: for CEOs. Yeah. Like like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it one step further. And if you took a look at the data that HR traditionally keeps, the applicant tracking data, the HRAS data, a set of numbers around your performance, a set of changes around your compensation. If you held a mirror up, would that say that's you? No. The work, the the real way you look around you. Um, or the, how you feel about you is probably better expressed by all the emails you send or the quotas you attain. Things that isn't people data, it's more business data, um, but, but damn it, people data is business data, and you have to start to blur the lines between the two.
0: Well, from what I'm getting from this conversation so far is that, you know, and my next question is HR transformation dead, I think, is it, is it just starting?
1: Well, I think it's a second transformation. So if you grew up, like anybody who's been through an HR transformation, and stop if you're not familiar with this, You know, this is really born out of you know, the move for HR to invest in modern record-keeping systems. First, they did it with PeopleSoft and Oracle, and then later it went to the cloud again with uh, Workday and SuccessFactors and all kinds of great software that helped HR become more efficient. And the notion and the pitch was if we can ha- help HR become more efficient, it will liberate the capacity to make more strategic impact. And we saw this again in more engagement data and experience data, right? You know, how do we make sure that employees are happy with the services or understand their experiences here? Efficiency and understanding of experience and making sure ha- ha- employees are satisfied with the materials they consume and the programs you deliver, you quickly hit a ceiling of impact to business performance. But being able to look at insights, right? Uh, being able to look across both human data and both the data about people that's held by HR and the data that's in in our um, everyday productivity systems, being able to see those patterns that's the next HR transformation. Mm. That's delivering insights, not just to executives, but to people, managers, and employees about, don't show me a career map. Show me who has the job I want and all the jobs they had before um, uh, they had that one. Show me where everybody went from my job, the real experience in data, not just a, a, a set of fiction. And once again, HR I see them very often going to say oh well we have to fix the record keeping before we can do anything interesting we have to be more efficient right and part of this is because HR has you know been taught and, right you know and there's some wisdom to this HR can only buy something new if they get rid of something they have or lay off somebody who works there HR funds itself right when HR spends a new dollar it's somebody else's revenue and margin commitment and HR has often gone to the board to ask for investments in HR efficiency. And I don't know how much that benefits outside the HR uh, PL. People analytics, which is where, you know, which is about delivering insights, raising the floor of insights that HR can deliver. People analytics is spent in HR, but it benefits the whole organization. And that's a new type of economic thinking for the people who build HR business cases. Well, Damn, that was a long answer.
0: Well, no, I mean that—that's that is transformation. I mean, it sounds like what you're doing is you're really empowering HR leaders and leaders in the organization with the incense that they need, and, and to really understand what what an employee really needs and and how they can be a, a a more more valuable team member. I I would assume that employers really would focus more on investment of their long, long long-term employees and, and people who are loyal to their, to the company. So how can, and can
1: companies really future-proof their workforce? Are we ourselves as individuals future-proofed? Okay. I think that's, that's the first question to ask. Like you have a set of skills, the environment with which you use them changes. So now you have to have agility. And you have to have just good common sense and good analytical skills and good things because you're going to have to, you know, the thing we value in future proofing a workforce most is everyone's ability to learn new things and have a beginner's mind and not just get too much of a pick mindset of this is the way we always did it. This is the way we have to do it in the future, because that's what slows organizations down and stops them from adapting to new things that said. I think the most important investment HR can make to future-proof the workforce is actually in the skill around people managers So, and, and what they provide around people managers. If you work in HR, you spend a lot of time thinking about benefits, compensation, culture, diversity, all these different things, engagement, and you measure the heck out of these things. But you can, you can do a lot of nice videos. You can do a lot of nice stuff at a leadership level. But ultimately the moment at which an employee interacts with their manager is where a lot of the choices about engagement, do I stay, do I go, do I outperform, do I underperform? That's where a lot of those choices made. So I think it's really important that we begin to future-proof our people managers by giving them insights um, and helping them make better choices and understanding which are the most valuable assets and which is the best deployment of capital. Let me give you an example, great resignation, Mm -hmm. right? We talked a lot about that. If you worked in HR, no matter who came into your office, they were like, oh, Betty's quitting. Betty's the trend, HR has to do something about it. And that person only looked at it through that single lens. When I looked at it in our company, it turned out that just two out of our 22 career levels just two career levels was driving an overwhelming portion of our attrition, like more than, way more than 50%, mm. right? And in fact, if you looked at, if I excluded those two career levels, in the middle of the Great Resignation, our attrition was pretty damn good, like normalized. And so what I had to do was help give insights to people managers so they could find the signal in the noise that was happening around them by not just delivering a trend, but by telling them and and breaking people into quadrants to say, hey, these people, they have a set of risk factors. Here's the data. Go ahead and future-proof our workforce by making sure that the valuable people who are contributing but truly underpaid or not even about pay, we often found, it was about career uh, progression unpacking that data into, um, and giving people insights into what is truly valuable for the future, who's really valuable and contributing rather than just the noisy people. That's really important. And it's fairer and more objective. It, it's a great way to reduce bias.
0: So I mean, talking about the future, uh, you know, more and more of these roles are, are sort of popping up about, you know, people leaders and how can we more prepare them for the future and how can, you know, people, and this is more in terms of culture, work with HR and, you know, can, do you see a correlation between the two, like really working together and, how can, and maybe how can Vizier help with that?
1: I think it's really important that the people who work in HR communicate, and the head of HR, who often has a really good read on what great decisions are around people and is helping try try to guide the organization. If the head of HR can collapse their distance to impact by communicating directly with the people leaders, not just through words and video, but through numbers, that helps. Look at the CFO. 12 times a year, the CFO produces a set of numbers. And, you know, (laughs) whether it's monthly or quarterly even, you know, you make a choice. You look at those numbers and you either make a different set of decisions or you're not gonna be around if you make one set of decisions or you're gonna get over rewarded, not over, but properly rewarded if you make another set of decisions. So if you take something as simple, I'm just gonna use diversity as an example. Like, hey, we want a more diverse workplace. We get it. Um, Only when the CHRO starts publishing numbers and words about diversity directly to each hiring manager, the people who truly make those individual decisions that yield that collective outcome, only by doing that can we reach people managers where they are and connect them to a North Star and change those decisions to be fairer, more just, and aligned to an overall corporate outcome. And by the way, it isn't just about diversity. It could be about productivity. It could be about location. It could be about um, buy, build, borrow. Whatever those talent strategies are, turning those into numbers and putting them in everyone's hands in real time so that they can connect that decision right in front of them with a, with you know, the direction the whole company is going to take and connecting small decisions to big outcomes is huge for HR. The CFO does it really well. It's time for HR to do it because the data is now mature. All Vizier does is make it happen easy.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that goes without saying now, especially with uh, how work has changed over the course of the two years. So, you know, I, that, that's a good segue into my last question uh, for you, Paul. About um, diversity equity and in- inclusion and belonging what's uh, what's the future look like there and what's next for that? can't have a people talk without uh, uh, mentioning diversity and inclusion
1: Geez, Connor you know we just we just issued um we just had an all hands this morning uh, where we um, did our second comprehensive survey of the issues related to diversity, uh, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We really focused on belonging this time around, right? Because you have to have the right environment. We held a mirror up to our culture. We felt like women were underrepresented here. I mean, that's a common theme in tech. uh, And we set a goal around it. And we started doing this work right before the terrible moments of social unrest uh, and the reckoning that America was having um, and the world was having um, with uh, race and gender in general, right? You you mash up Me Too and 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 um, George Floyd, and you know, geez, this was this was a moment where you inside your the four walls of your corporation can't you know ignore what's happening in the outside world. And I woke up one morning and I realized that a lot of people were making pledges and statements. Oh, we're going to fix this. Think about the companies that put up banners. Pledges and statements are nice but I believe that data will light the path to accountability and change. And it's only when you start to publish data and share data and talk about data, not in a punitive way, but to hold up a mirror to the decisions we make. Again, not just about diversity, but about any decision about people. Only by holding up a mirror to those decisions to see how do they align with the rest of the people around me, the values or the goals that we've talked about, or what's really important to my community. I think creating a rhythm of that data, that's what drives accountability and change. And so what's next for DEIB? I think organizations uh, are going to have to show and measure change. We starting to see it in the way the SEC is asking for uh, disclosure uh, around human capital. We're going to see it more and more and more.
0: Let's see the data,
1: <laughs> Paul
0: uh, State, Thank you so much for joining Millennium Live. This was a great conversation, a great conversation uh, to have. Uh, I I'm looking forward to meeting you in person in uh, New Orleans. So um, uh, thanks. We'll see for, you there. Thanks for having the chat today.